Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. So if you have your uh, Bibles with you or your devices, you can open to John chapter 21 to the very, very end. Very, very end of John. This has been a long journey, right? We've been in this journey. How many have been with us since January? A lot, of, a lot of folks, thanks for sticking with us through this journey through the Gospel of John. It was back in January that we started this journey, and we've called this journey Knowing Jesus, right? And that, the verse that we have pointed to again and again throughout this journey, kind of the key verse for John is this, from John chapter 20, Pastor Mark preached the passage that included this a couple weeks back. It says this, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. John just says to us, hey, this is the story I'm telling. I'm relating some of what went on, by no means all of what went on, but here's, here's my story of what went on. And these are written so that you may believe so that you may believe in Pastor Jeff, and the very, all the way back in January, he reminded us that this is, this is not just believe for the first time. The word here can be translated or continue to believe. Continue to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Do you believe this morning? Let me ask you, we've, we've called this series Knowing Jesus. Do you know him better than you did in January? Do you know him better today than you did at the beginning of this month? Do you know him better today than you did at the start of this week? I hope so. There's, there's going to be an opportunity a little later in this service to, for some of you, if you're courageous, if the Lord would call you to, to share how you know Jesus better, how he has changed you in, in this past week or month or year, that we might give glory to him. So before we do that, we're going to look forward, though, at this, this last section of John. Last week, Phil uh, talked through and, and, and taught through the first half of John 21. Probably not worth talking about that message. Uh, no, I guess so. I guess I will. No, it's <laughs> got to bring it back around. No, he, he talked through uh, and taught us about how Jesus encountered the disciples on the beach, and, and, and they had just spent a night with no fruit of their labors, going back to where they had before, going back to fishing. And Jesus tells them once again, like he did on that first day that he met some of them, throw the net on the other side, and it comes full of fish. And when Peter realizes it's the Lord, he dives in and goes straight for him to draw near to the Lord. And then we come to the end of that passage, and and we're going to back up a few verses, starting at John 21, starting in verse 15. And there's this conversation that Phil taught us about last week, and it says this, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter replied, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said, Feed my lambs. And then Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. And Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was grieved. 
because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And Phil pointed out last week that as Jesus is talking to Peter here, he's calling him Simon again and again. And the offer he's putting before Peter is who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? That's a question that Phil posed to us. For Peter, it was, are you going to be Simon? Are you going to be who you were before you met Jesus? Or are you going to live in light of all the change that he has worked in your life? Are you going to live in the light of who he's calling you to be? Who are you going to be? I hope you've been asking that question yourself or inviting Jesus to ask you that question this week. Who are you going to be? See, and, and then Jesus As he asks this question, he invites Peter. Okay, Peter, you love me? Peter, you decided who you're going to be? Okay, here's here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. And and this was posed not just to Peter, but to all the disciples. Not just to those disciples, but to all of us as disciples of Jesus. Okay, do you believe? Do you love him? Okay, what are you going to do with it? Because... Your belief, your knowing Jesus is not just for you. Knowing Jesus, it's incredible for you. Don't get me wrong. The life that he offers you, the life that he invites us to is is astounding. And it's not just for you. It's to overflow out of us to others. But before we get to what Jesus says as far as what are you going to do with this, you got to understand this. This isn't what the disciples do to be accepted by Jesus. This is what the disciples do because they're already accepted. Right? This is, what, this is not what we as disciples do to get loved by Jesus. This is what we do because he already loves us. This isn't what we do to be saved. This is what we do because we're already saved by him. What is it we do? Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? You're going to be who I'm calling you to be? Okay, feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Feed them. And, and, and Phil pointed out last week, this is a really similar call to how, how Jesus started out with the disciples. He called them to be fishers of men. He called them to the ministry that Jesus was doing. And it's the same call here. He's calling them to the ministry that Jesus is already doing. That's what he's, he's inviting them to. But it, so it's the same call, and it's, and it's more, though. It's more. See, at first he was just calling them to catch, to fish, for people to catch them and bring them in. And when you fish, you wrap that net around the fish and you bring them in and you haul them off to market and you're good. And now it's a little bit more. Now it's feed my sheep, tend my sheep. Do you know it's a lot of work to feed sheep? I I didn't realize this right away. I thought it was easy to feed sheep. I thought you just put them out in the field. They eat what's there, right? They get fed and you don't have to mow. It's like a (laughs) win-win. Wonder if you can train them to like eat down to half an inch and get those lines in the field, right? So it's, it's easy, right? Simple. No, it's not. No, it's not. Psalm 23, David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Green pastures. And, and Philip Keller, he's a, he's a shepherd who wrote about this psalm. And, and you know what he points out is he said, green pastures, they don't just happen by accident. They don't just happen by accident. David is writing that psalm from Israel. Not a whole lot of green pastures there unless you are intentional about it, unless you work for it, unless you, put in, you have a lot of knowledge, unless you put in a lot of time and a whole lot of effort because you've got to clear the rough and the rocky ground. 
And you've got to plow the field. And you've got to put certain seeds and certain grain in the ground and sow them in a certain way. And then you've got to irrigate that field with water. And then even after it starts growing, you've got to tend that crop all to feed sheep. It takes a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of time to feed sheep. And Jesus is turning to Peter and the disciples and he's saying, this is the call. Are you in this for the long haul? Are you going to feed my sheep? This is the call. You've been cared for. Will you care for others? And it takes a lot of work. See, it's not just calling people to Jesus. It's teaching them how to follow Jesus. That's why, that's why the mission statement of Grace Fellowship Church is not bring them in. It's not bring them into the kingdom of God and we're done. No, it's bring them in, build them up and send them out so that they might be disciples. This is, this is why Jesus calls us not to make converts, right? But to make disciples. He doesn't call us to make converts. He calls us to make disciples. Anybody have kids, you have kids that you, wanna, you want them to follow Jesus, right? And I, I don't know about you all, but if, you, if your parents are young kids and, and you're starting to raise them, and there's all that stress of parenting, but then in the back of my mind as I'm raising young kids, there's always this kind of like, okay, when they get to that right age where they can understand the gospel, I got to get them to that one night where we can pray the prayer, right? And they can surrender their lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior and ask Jesus in their hearts, right? Like that's the goal. And as soon as we get them to that, we've crossed the finish line, right? And then, then you realize that's not the finish line. This is the starting line, right? Like living out the fruit of the, our kids just don't overflow with the fruit of the Spirit automatically, right? They don't just pray that prayer and they're all of a sudden more patient, or more loving. No, like, there's a whole lot of work to put in afterwards. I look at my kids. There's a lot of work to be done there. <laughs> Jesus, do that work. And then I turn and look in the mirror. <laughs> there's a lot of work to be done there. Mm. Jesus, keep doing that work. Can anybody say this morning, I've got a lot of work, work to be done. You say, I've got a lot of work to be done in me. But praise God, Jesus is doing it. See, and that's why, that's why our mission statement isn't just bring them in. That's also why Sundays isn't the end of church. Do you know that? Sundays isn't the end of the church. That's why we've got a whole lot more going on here. We've got men's women ministry and women's ministry and kids and students and, and, and so many chances to gather with God's people in his name that we might grow and be disciples. And that's why, we're, that's why there's more coming too. You know, after the first of the year, we're going to be working towards this movement of everyday discipleship. You've heard some of those words, everyday discipleship, and the hope, was that, the hope is that we would understand to a greater way that following Jesus is not about Sundays. It's about every day. Following Jesus is not about Sundays. It's about every day. And how we walk as everyday disciples, one of the ways we do that is we're, we're going to be gathering in confessional communities. So many of you are already doing this as you walk through the training. And it's just getting with, with other followers of God and just being able to look in the mirror together and saying, you know what, I'm not, he's got a lot of work to do in me still. Just being in a place where we can honestly say that to each other, he's got a lot of work to do in me still. But praise God, he's doing it, right? Like, like he's, I, I'm not where God would intend for me to be yet. But praise God, I'm not where I was. Can you say that this morning? I, I, I'm not where he intends me to be. He's not finished with me. But praise God, I'm not where I was. Are you ready for, are you hungry for that? Yes. 
in your lives, all right, it's coming. It's coming, so stay tuned. And in the meantime, get hungry. Are you hungry for all that Jesus Christ has for you? Are you hungry for him to be in rela- for you to be in relationship with him every single day of the week? Get hungry. Get in the word, get with God's people and listen. So we've got to be fed before we feed others, right? But then as you get fed, who has God put around you to feed? Feed his sheep. Care for him. You've been cared for, care for others. If you've been loved by him, love others. Who has God put in your circle to tend, to care for, to feed as you've been fed? Even this week, even today, who is God calling you to feed? Feed his sheep. That's the call. And then then Jesus says this. Right after that, he says this. Truly, truly. Okay, along with that call, truly, truly. And these are words we've seen throughout John, right? Amen, amen is the way this can be translated. And when Jesus says truly, truly, right after come some guarantees. Right after come some things that you can take to the bank. He says truly, truly, and here's the last one for John. He says to Peter, truly, truly. I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And at first, it sounds like, some scholars think this was even kind of a phrase that was used in that culture a lot of times. And it sounds like he's talking about old age. Peter, when you're young, you're fit. You get to go around wherever you want to. When you're old, you might be in a wheelchair, might be in that old folks' home. You're getting those AARP catalogs and dealing with arthritis and can't always eat what you want. But, he's, but thankfully, John goes on. He tells us, no, 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 that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. This Jesus said to show by what kind of death Peter was going to glorify God. Here's the guarantee. Peter, do you love me? Okay. Peter, do you want to follow my call and feed my sheep? Okay. Here's where it's going to lead. Guaranteed your death. Do you know when we say yes to Jesus, there's a guaranteed death ahead? A guaranteed death ahead. Jesus says, somebody's going to stretch out your hands and dress you. Or or bind you, that word could mean. And Jesus, as he says these words, he's looking ahead to a day that will come when Peter will face his own death. John, as he's recording this, John is looking back. He remembers his friend Peter. And what happened, that there came a day that he was, Peter was arrested for being a follower of Jesus Christ, arrested by the Roman Empire and sentenced to death by crucifixion. And we don't know this from Scripture, but we know this from some scholars later on, Tertullian and Origen and others, that that day came for Peter, but he said to him, okay, you're going to crucify me. I'm not worthy to die the same way my Lord and Savior Jesus did, so crucify me upside down. As if crucifixion couldn't get any worse, right? And they stretched out his hands and they bound him to a cross and they flipped it upside down and he died for following the call of Jesus. Here's the thing we got to take in this morning. Peter was not saying, I know this is heavy stuff, guys, but like we got to realize this. Peter's saying, uh, Jesus is saying, this is not a maybe sort of kind of thing. 
Peter, if you follow my call, there's like a 50-50 chance this could not end well for you. Peter, you may get imprisoned. He's not saying maybe. He's not saying might. He's saying, Peter, Peter, you will die for me. This is the call. This is the guarantee. You're going to die. Do you know when we say yes to Jesus, there's a guaranteed death? Oh, there's a resurrection coming. Don't lose hope. There's a resurrection coming. But to raise again, something's got to die. So have we died for Jesus? We may never have to face a physical death or imprisonment like Peter did. But Jesus calls us to die. That's what he said. Luke records it. That Jesus said, if anyone would come after me and follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life, what's that mean? Whoever wants to take his life, and and the, the life that you're living right now, whoever wants to set that on a pedestal, and that's what's most important to him. And and your reputation and your safety and your comfort and all the good things that God has given you in your life, but they're for you. You you enjoy those things and you live for yourself and live for your pleasure and you put that as the highest good on the throne room of your soul. Whoever wants to save his life, they're going to lose it. Guaranteed going to lose it. It's all going to fade. It's all going to burn in the light of Jesus' presence one day. Oh, but listen, whoever loses his life, you say yes to Jesus, say yes to that guaranteed death, take up that cross daily. Whoever loses his life and lay down your reputation at the feet of Jesus Christ so that he might be more and that you might be less. Whoever does that, whoever lays down your wealth at the feet of Jesus, whoever lays down your comfort at the feet of Jesus, whoever lays down what other people think of you at the feet of Jesus. Whoever lays it all down and says, I'm going to die to this because what matters is the life of Jesus Christ, the life he calls to me and his life in me. Whoever dies to that, oh man, then he will be saved. Then he will be saved. So there's, listen, there's this call and, and, and the guarantee of the call, the first guarantee is a guaranteed death. You know the second guarantee I see in here, though, is guaranteed courage. Like, I know that was just a hard word for us to hear, right? That was a hard word for Peter to hear. But it was hard in a different way, too, because like Philip talked about, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter's got to be reflecting back on the three questions that were asked him not that long before. Hey, aren't you one of them? Aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? And he denied it again and again and again. And, and Peter, Peter was the one who sat at the Last Supper and he said, Jesus, I'm going to die for you. If you're going to die, I'm going to die with you. And then you know what it took for him to deny Jesus Christ? Not a six foot eight Roman soldier laying in an indim and beating him for a couple hours till he can deny Christ. No, it took some little servant girl, maybe 90 pounds soaking wet, to say, didn't I see you? And all of a sudden, no. No, I'm not one of them. And as people asked again and again, he lost it and cursed and denied Jesus Christ three times. And so as Peter right here is facing Jesus, this has got to be running through his mind. Jesus, do I love you? Yes. Right now, I love you. Right now, I'm with you. Right now, I'm for you. I just hope it sticks this time. Like right now, I'm willingly say yes. I don't know about tomorrow. 
I don't know if I'm going to be strong enough. I don't know next time some Roman soldier or some servant girl comes, am I going to say yes then? It's got to be running through his mind. Has it ever run through your mind? People in other countries, followers of Jesus Christ, are facing death every day. Some of them laying down their lives. Doesn't it run through our minds? Man, am I going to have the courage? I mean, I can say yes to Jesus when it's easy. Can I say yes to Jesus when it's hard? And Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, like I think one of the things he's saying to Peter here is like, I know, you said you were going to lay down your life for me, and guess what? You failed. Peter, there's coming a day you're not going to fail. You're going to have the courage because it's going to be my courage in you, not your courage. It's going to be my courage in you, my spirit within you. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 10. He says this to all of his disciples. He says, you're going to be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. And when they arrest you, not if, when they arrest you, don't worry about what you say or how you say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking. You mean I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open my mouth and it's not going to be me speaking? It's, yes, you're going to open your mouth, it's not going to be you speaking. But the spirit of your father speaking through you. I think Jesus would say to Peter, you denied me when you said no to me three times. That was you speaking. There's coming a day where the Spirit's going to speak through you. And you're going to say, yes, I'm one of him. Yes, I follow him. There's guaranteed courage coming, Peter. It's my spirit within you. Folks, do you have courage this morning? The spirit of the living God is in you. It's not based on your weakness or strength. It's based on his and the spirit of the living God. Nothing can conquer him. The spirit of God is in you and there's guaranteed courage to follow his call in that. Guaranteed courage and then there's, there's guaranteed glory for that call too. There's guaranteed glory. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. Not maybe sort of throw some good news some way. Not say something so-so about God. Glorify God. So Jesus says to Peter, like, listen, there's a call I've put on your life. Do you love me? Yes. Okay, here's the call. It's guaranteed you're going to die for it. But it's guaranteed you're going to have the courage to face it. And listen, it's guaranteed that it's going to matter. Your life, your death is going to matter for the glory of God. You want your life, your death to matter? To matter for what really matters? Guaranteed, this is the guarantee. Your life, your death to matter for the glory of God. It's a guarantee when you follow his call. I remember attending a funeral about, about 10 years ago now maybe. It was a funeral for my Uncle Frank. And my Aunt Peg and my Uncle Frank, they were... We were really close to them growing up because they only lived a few hours away. And then as I grew up and left home, I lost touch with them. And so I, did, I didn't really stay in touch with him for the last 15, 20 years of his life probably. But I went to the funeral because that's what you do when you're family. And as I sat at that funeral, person after person got up and spoke to the man of God that Frank was. And they spoke to his character 
and his gentleness and his kindness and his love and the impact he had had on their lives and how they loved the way that Jesus worked through them. And I sat there hearing person after person and two thoughts went through my mind as I heard that. I said, man, I I wish I would have known Uncle Frank better. I wish I would have stayed in touch. And, And the second thought that ran through my mind was I wish I knew Jesus better. Because Uncle Frank's life mattered and his death mattered and his death brought incredible glory to God in the lives of people around him because he answered the call, because he knew Jesus. I sat there and I said, I want to know Jesus better. Do you want your death to matter? Do you want your life to matter? Follow his call. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed that it's going to matter for the only thing that matters, the glory of God. That your life and your death are not going to show how awesome you are, but how awesome he is. That your life and your death are not going to bring glory to you and goodness to you, but when people remember you, they would remember him. We answer the call and that's the guarantee. So there it is. There's the call, there's the guarantees. A cost, courage, and glory. So let's follow the call and don't let anything hold you back from it. Which I I think is why it goes where it goes next. After saying these things, Jesus said, follow me. Just follow. Follow this call and these are the guarantees. Follow me. And right after that, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against him during supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? Now, when Peter saw this guy following Jesus, Peter said, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You know why I think John is putting this in here at the end? Because John's still alive as he's writing this. And he's one of the only disciples, maybe the only disciple by now that's alive at this time. Peter lost his life for his faith. James, Andrew, all of them, they're gone. Oh, but there's this conversation where Jesus said, if it's my will for him to stick around until I get back. And so the longer John lived, the more people started to think, ooh, maybe it's not if. John says, no, 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 no. (laughs) You're missing the point. That's not why Jesus said this. Jesus didn't say this to say he's coming back before I die. Jesus said this for a different reason. Jesus said this to Peter because the first thing Peter does when Jesus says says something hard to him, the first thing that Peter does when Jesus says your life is going to matter is he turns around and he says, well, what about that guy? Is he going to follow your call? Is he going to be willing to die? Is he going to die a death like that? Is, he, is his life, his death, going to bring as much glory? Is it going to be more than mine or less than mine? Jesus says, don't worry about it. Follow me. doesn't concern you. Follow me. Stop looking at other people. Follow me. Man, if there's one thing that's going to kill us answering the call of Jesus Christ, it's looking around, isn't it? Looking around in a way of comparison. 
He says, look around, feed my sheep. He doesn't say, look around and compare to each other because guess what? You and I aren't the standard for each other. But can't you feel that way sometimes? You look around and you want to answer the call and you want to follow Jesus and there's always somebody else who loves Jesus a little bit more deeply, who's worshiping more passionately, who's discipling more disciples, who's caught more fish, who's tending more sheep. There's always somebody doing it better and louder and... And you think, oh gosh, I'm not doing enough, right? John Piper, I love, <laughs> love some of what John Piper says. He's, he's a pastor and I can identify with a lot of what he says. He, he writes one, in one place about how he receives this, this avalanche of emails and mailings about new ministry opportunities and education and training and ministry advice and conferences to go to and classes to take and how to be a better preacher and a better, and a better communicator and a better discipler and a better evangelist and how to be better. And he says some of those are his own conferences and he still seem, feels overwhelmed because, because all of it, when it comes in and when he hits it and when he sees it, it's all quietly delivering the message, you're not enough. Anybody ever hear that? You're not enough. I'm not talking about out loud. I'm talking about in your head. You're not enough. We have incredible opportunities. You maybe get some of those emails or some of those mailings, the next conference, the next thing, the next big idea, the next way to follow Jesus more closely and more tightly. Listen, it's beautiful opportunities. By all means, go be inspired, be encouraged. Get out and follow him. But don't do it so that you're enough. Don't do it so that you can be more valuable. You're already valuable. If you hear that voice saying, you're not enough, you know what you tell it? You're right, I'm not. I I never was intended to be enough because, because my standard isn't you. I wouldn't be enough if my standard was you. But my standard isn't you. My standard is Jesus Christ. Now I'm really not enough. Now none of us are enough ever to measure up to who Jesus Christ is except except he went to a cross and paid the penalty for our sins we've already celebrated that today and and he paid that penalty of our rebellion to invite us back into relationship with him so that when we declare him when we call him our Lord and Savior and when we answer his call we are suddenly enough not because of us but because of him you know, you know what Paul said? I'm, I'm sorry. You know what the Hebrew, author of Hebrews says? That Jesus, when he had finished, when he had done his work, he sat down in heaven. You know why he sat down? Because the work was done. The work was finished. Do you know you don't have to work to measure up anymore? The, the work for you to measure up, the work for you to be enough, it's done. He sat down. You know where Paul says, are you in Jesus Christ? You know where Paul says you are right now? You're seated right beside him. In, in the spirit, you're seated right beside Jesus Christ. You are enough. And when he looks on you, he sees you clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You're enough in him. And so we don't have to compare out anymore. We get to compare up. We don't have to compare to anybody else around us. We get to compare up to him See that we're clothed in his righteousness and in him we are enough. So that's the call. Those are the guarantees. And you don't have to look around to measure up anymore. You don't have to let anything hold you back. You just get to follow him and know that in him you are enough. And then to 
wrap this up, we get the last verses of the gospel of John. It says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. See, John says again, like, this isn't the whole story. This is just my story. This is my story of knowing Jesus. This is my story of how he changed me. This is the story I want you to know. I want you to know him. And and that's what we've seen throughout this whole gospel. Way back at the beginning of this gospel, Pastor Jeff told us that this gospel more than any other is about identifying who Jesus Christ is, telling us who Christ is. And we've seen that through the whole gospel. John has told us names for Christ again and again and again. He's told us that Jesus is the word and the light of the world and the lamb of God and the Messiah and the bridegroom and the bread of life and the good shepherd and the true vine. But right at the end, you know what he says? There's this disciple you got to know about. It's me. And you know what he's called himself the whole time? He did it just a few verses ago. The one who Jesus loved. He's like, you can, you can know all of this about Jesus, but I got to tell you one thing you got to know about Jesus. One thing I've learned about Jesus is this. He loves me. And here's the story of how I've come to know it. What's one thing you got to tell about Jesus? As you've come to know Jesus better, I hope you have. What's one thing that you've come to know better about Jesus Christ that you want to point others to, that you want to say, listen, if I could tell you one thing about Jesus, it's that he loves me. If I could tell you one thing about Jesus, it's this. If I could tell you one thing about Jesus, it's that he satisfies. How has Jesus changed you? How has Jesus met you in this year, in this month, in this day? I'm, I'm going to give an opportunity right now for anybody who would like to come up and share. I don't know if anybody will. It would be kind of awkward if nobody does, but that's okay. <laughs> if there's one thing that I could share about Jesus, if there's one thing, uh, I'll go first, right? <laughs> how do you, how? Have you come to know Jesus Christ better this year? If there's one thing I know about Jesus Christ better this year than I ever did before, it's that he's faithful. Because I don't know, like, if you've listened to some messages, if you've been in relationship with me this year, you know, there's, there's some stuff that's gone on in my life that's just tough. Not all of it on the outside, just stuff on the inside, too. And I, I, I've felt not enough. I've felt those voices. I, I, There's been so many places God has been scraping away everything I depend on except for him. And you know what I found when he scrapes that all the way, all the way, you know what it's at the bottom? Him. He's my rock. If there's one thing I want you to know about Jesus today, it's that he's faithful. How about you? Is there anything you want to share with us about Jesus Christ? You can come forward. I know it's a long walk. That's part of the cost this morning. Pastor Mark and I will be up here. Thank you for... Pastor Mark and I will be up here with mics, and I just want to invite you to just share a few words. Here's here's the one caution. Keep it a little brief. Just like John said, Jesus kept working, right? And if, if it was all written, there wouldn't be enough books in the world. Listen, Jesus is doing incredible things in so many lives in this room. If we're all spoken, there wouldn't be enough time in the day, right? Let us know who Jesus is and share it with us, just for a moment. 
We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.